you know, I was thinking about Cord's message, and uh, that's very good. I enjoyed that. Um, and she was reading through the Hebrews 11 faith chapter and what happened to some of those people. A thought came to my mind, why would anybody in their right mind choose this, this, this way of life? And for me, because, you know, Christianity, the world of churchianity is presented in such a bed of roses, um, just about love. And it's presented in such a fashion that, you know, people want, I mean, yeah, I mean, who wouldn't want this? I mean, just, just, but as you read what the Bible says, and I think, well, you know, again, I was thinking, okay, who would, who would choose this? Well, I, myself, I didn't go out looking for religion. God called me and led me to choose this. And I think it's the same with all of us. You're here, but for a reason that God called you and placed you in this calling, which is not necessarily always a bed of roses. <laughs> uh, I wish it were. <laughs> Maybe I should join mainstream churches. <laughs> um, Oh, that's right. That's right. If you would do a survey and go around asking people, what, what are your concerns? What are you really, you know, what's important to you? You know, I was reading recently the millennials, what's important to them is what they're concerned about is global warming, climate change, and that the earth is going to be destroyed. Uh, actually by some of us, uh, the baby boomers maybe were our SUVs and things like that. Of course, I got one of those, by the way. Uh, I need to get rid of it. But, uh, but I understand, as a teenager, I was concerned about the earth ending, the world ending. It was a very real concern. And it wasn't until you know, God called me, I began to realize that, well, no, that's not what the Bible says is going to happen. You know, it's just the world's not going to end. It's just man's government on it is going to be replaced with the kingdom of God on this earth. So the world continues on. But, yeah, I can see how that could be a scary thought if you're young and thinking the world is going to end. But if you ask millennials, they would have a list of things they're really concerned about. If you were to ask non-religious people, what really concerns you? The average Joe on the street. Well, he would say, well, the economy, because we all want to make money. I mean, money is nice. We can buy it. We can go out to eat. We can buy it. We can pay the bills off, hopefully go on a vacation. You know, so, yeah, I'm concerned about the economy. They might say I'm concerned about crime. I want, obviously, I want safety for my children as they go off to college, if they go, as they go off to work, school, whatever. We want safety. They might say I'm concerned about corruption in government, concerned about health. Everybody's concerned about health. But if you were to ask religious people, what really concerns you? <laughs> Here's the problem with religious people. Often they are in their glass cathedrals. They live in their glass. And, and what concerns them may not really concern the world out there. And there's a difference with what concerns religious people. Or at least I have found that to be, to be very, very true. What concerns religious people is not so much what the world is concerned about. Jesus told us what to be concerned about. He said, when you pray, say, thy kingdom come. I want your will to be done on this earth as it is up in heaven. That's what we all want. 
I remember that interview with Phil Robertson, and, you know, he, he made the comment, you know, he said, it's your world, I'm just trying to live in it. You know, the world of pornography, the world of whatever, the evils of our society, it's your world, I'm just trying to survive, I'm just trying to live in it. I thought that was a powerful statement. Now, when I ask what are religious people really concerned about, I say that because of something that has happened several times with me in my ministry, or with, is that really in the Bible? I had a comment just recently, and it said this, you know, I like your videos, but I wish he would use the set-apart names of God. Another person said, I can't listen to him because he doesn't use the sacred names of God. And if, this is not just a one-time thing. This has occurred over and over again. And, you know, people have sent me emails and letters and got an email recently and the guy asked a question, and I thought, oh boy, I, guess I get to answer a question. And then he proceeds to answer the question with 20 verses. And I thought, that's strange. Why did he ask me the question? And I think what he just wanted to show me how smart he was by answering the question. And then he concluded with about all kinds of Hebrew words, scriptures written at, pasted out in Hebrew, like you would see, the, the alphabet of the, you know, the language and the concordance. And I can't even read that stuff. You know, I haven't mastered English yet in, 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 reading, in reading or speaking. Uh, but, I, and I'm sure I'm not going to try to pick up a, another language at this age. Uh, what are re religious people really concerned about is, is the question. One time I went to a conference and there was a guy, you ever had a person, you're, you're eating lunch and they sit down with you and you wish they had never sit down beside you. And uh, this guy, I nicknamed this guy Twiggy. The reason was he began to talk and talk and talk and he would go out, I mean, out on the limbs. I mean, really out there. And to me, true spirituality is the trunk of the tree. And maybe the big, you know, oak tree with the big limbs, the limbs might represent the law of God. But then on beyond that are all the, the twigs. And, and, and what I found is that people, well anyway, when we left this conference, I said, I'm never going back. I am sick, I cannot tolerate Twiggy. And, uh, but what I found is that people who do this, go out on the limbs, the twigs, that's what they think true spirituality is. They get discontented with the trunk of the tree. I mean, that's basic. If you love me, keep my commandments. I mean, oh, that's, that's, I got to go out on a limb here. I need something more that, that interests me. And so they go out on, you know, the twigs. And so I asked the question, you know, what are, what really, religious people, what are they concerned about? You know, that whole thing I did with you might be a Pharisee was it came from experience. And it came from experience, not in the world's churches, They've got sense. Uh, it came from experience in these churches, the churches of God. And, and so I developed that list, you know, if you need a concordance to do word studies on pronouns, you know, the word, what's it? What does it mean? What does in mean? What does out mean? You know, well, it, uh, if, if figuring out the name of God takes longer than three seconds, you might be a Pharisee. Uh, if determining pork byproducts becomes a compulsive disorder, you might be a Pharisee. And, and you know, I've seen people that, you know, I, I, my opinion is it's talking about meats. 
Okay, if you got this capsule that may have some kind of something in it, okay, if that's your conviction, stick with it. But I think we're talking about meats, stuff you eat, you know, that, that red meat that you, you know, uh, or white, the other white meat, whatever. <laughs> yeah, let me get that right. Um, if mainstream Christian symbols offend you, you might be a Pharisee. I'll never forget, I was a minister in the church, he said, church steeples come from, they're, they're something about a male phallic symbol that where church steeples come from. And I said, where did you get that? And he said, well, look up the Bible, look up groves in the Bible. And, and so I went out and purchased a, like a couple thousand dollar set of an Encyclopedia Britannica. And I searched and I searched and I searched groves and I, searched, I never could make the connection that a church steeple somehow represents a male phallic symbol. I, and I thought, you know, I'm trying to make the connection. And if it's that hard for me to make it, and I can't even make it, after buying my set of an Encyclopedia Britannica and studying in the Bible and doing word studies, I can't make the connection. And, you know, I just think, you know, let's, let's identify everything that's pagan in our society, you know. Why? Why? You know, you're, you're coming down this road on 220. At the top of the hill, off in the distance, it's beautiful, and you see it way off church steeple. And I think they were there so that people could look and say, ah, a place to worship, a place to meet God. I think that's the reason for it. But, you know, some people have to just, we've got to find everything. We've got to get on the twigs, and, and, and we just, if you can't figure out when the sun sets, Look at that. Is, that. is that the sun setting out there? Sabbath has just begun. It's not complicated. It's not complicated. You, you probably don't need a watch either. Uh, <laughs> if words like new moon, round disc, conjunction, equinox are a regular part of your vocabulary, you might be a Pharisee. Uh, if, if, if your God will not answer to the name Father, you might be a Pharisee. What are religious people really concerned about? Now, okay, so I can't listen to him unless he uses the Hebrew name. Okay, the Hebrew names of, of God, you know, the Old Testament Hebrew, New Testament Greek. As you study the Bible, you realize God has many names. Elohim, Yahweh, Abba, El Shaddai, Jehovah. And then as you read the Psalms, you realize that some of the Psalms sort of attributed God's name, you know, my rock, my banner, my fortress, my buckler, my provider, my protector, Lion of the tribe of Judah, uh, you know, tell these people, you know, who shall I say sent me? You know, when I tell, you know, I am, you know, I am that I, I am has sent me, you know. So, so God's name has many names. Now, I don't have a problem at all with people that use the sacred names. Um, there are people that insert that in, the, in, the, in the Jesus or God and they insert, insert Jehovah or whatever. People that sing songs sometimes, they will insert one of the names, Hebrew names of God. I have no problem with that. But what I have a problem with is those that believe and teach the sacred names doctrine, which basically says in order to be saved, you've got to say the name, use the Hebrew name, you know, you've got to say that name this way. You know, you should discern between the two if you're dealing with people. You should say, okay, I see that you use these names, but do you believe that in order for me to be saved, you've got to say it? If, if they say yes, you may want to distance yourself from these people. Uh, 
You know, if speaking the Hebrew, speaking Hebrew somehow got you closer to God, that would mean the average taxi driver in Tel Aviv is a lot closer to God than any of us are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now imagine a, a, a father and a son, they're out in the ocean swimming, and uh, the, the boy begins to drown, and, and he, he, cries, he says, Father, save me! And the father sort of crosses his arm, you know, standing out, and he says, I'm not going to save you until you get my name right. <laughs> until you say my name. You see how, to me, petty this, this can actually be. Um, and what I have found is people that go out on the twigs do end up being very petty in their relationship, you know. Now, they wouldn't say that. They call it true spirituality. Um, but, you know, a petty God, I don't want anything to do with a God that's petty. I just don't. Um, how, did it, how did Jesus address the Father? Mark 14 and verse 36. Mark 14 and verse 36. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup. Now, if there was ever a moment for Jesus to get this name right, it's right here. He, I mean, he's, this is serious business, as Cord mentioned that ultimate sacrifice. And he cries out, Abba, Father, all things are possible. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. You know, the word means Father. And if it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. <laughs> uh, Matthew 6 and verse 7. Instructions. Matthew 6 and verse 7. But when you pray, use not vain repetition as the heathens do. For they think they shall be heard for their much speaking. And I used to, I remember being in church and where, where they did just that, that vain, you know, our Father, hallowed be thy name, thy will be done. You know, it was repeated every, every morning, every Sunday morning. Don't use vain repetition. Be not therefore like unto them, for your Father knows what you have need of before you ask him. After this manner, therefore pray you, our Father, which are in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Very simple. I love the simplicity of the Bible. Call him Father. You call him Father. How do we address God? You address him as Father. I've had people on the program, you know, those, those, you know, I found that people like to look religious also. You know, I've had people, why don't you wear a Star of David? Why don't you look more Jewish? Why don't you say the name of Je Jehovah? Why don't you say, use a sacred name? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't, do, you shouldn't have said that. And I tell you, I get to the point where you're like, it's damned if you do, damned if you don't. And, uh, you know, I, encouragement, I shouldn't be like this. I'll tell you a little secret. Encouragement lasts me about a day. Criticism lasts me about a month. Uh, <laughs> or maybe a year. <laughs> and that, maybe that's a sign of weakness, I don't know. But, but I evaluate things too much. I obsess on them. Criticism. And uh, so I, I probably need to get over that. I remember Henry was at the feast, and I uh, just got to the feast, and I looked down from my motel, and there was Henry. He just went to the grocery store. He had a, a case of beer under his arm. You know, just, just, I mean, he did not care whether what people said or any, and it takes a strong person to get to that point where, you know, where you, you just, not that you don't, I'm not saying don't care. You do consider what other people think of you. But, you know, you have to realize I'm answerable to God for this, what I'm doing. I'm not answer, I don't have to answer to you. you know. uh, 
So I, I'll never forget, uh, forget that. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. That uh, he was going to enjoy some beer. <laughs> I should have followed him back to his apartment or whatever. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> looking religious. Now, what is a truly spiritual person? Well, it's the character of a man. It's the character of a woman. One time I was in IHOP and eating breakfast and a there was a nun came in, and I was looking, you know, she didn't know I was looking at her, but I was, I was checking her out, you know, the garb uh, she was wearing. And uh, I, thought, I thought to myself, you know, it would be a, hell would have to freeze over before I would go up and ask her for spiritual advice. That is such a block to me. It's a block. I, maybe I shouldn't be like that, but I'm just saying when... Um, it's a turnoff for me. As I deliberately on my program try not to look, sound, religious, because I, I'm, I realize my audience, at least I'm not even trying to reach religious people. If you're religious, you, you're okay. You don't need me. Uh, <laughs> you already got it together. Uh, I try to, I've, we've done construction work all of our lives. And, and, and so I think they're down to earth, now they're, rough around the edges, and they use bad language, but they're, they're no-nonsense, common sense. This is what I want. Okay, give me what I want. Shut up and go home. You know, give me what I want, that's it. You know, it's, 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 it's no-nonsense, common sense type of people, and that's the people I try to reach with the audience, you know. The sinner. Christ died for the sinner. If you're not a sinner, you don't need Jesus. <laughs> um, so I deliberately try to, 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 I don't even wear a suit. I have a hard time, wear, Tim, I have a hard time wearing my own hat. <laughs> Get that. I made hats that say, is that really in the Bible? And I have a hard time wearing it. Because I don't want people to look at me and say, oh boy, there's a religious nut. <laughs> How bad? I can't even promote myself. <laughs> Maybe this is extreme, but condition of our nation, the sins of our nation, maybe we should all be wearing sackcloth and ashes. And I found that even that can, can go haywire, the pretense of humility. I'll never forget a guy used to, you know, he had a pretense of humility about him, and he, he, he would approach the podium like this. And everybody thought, you know, he's a humble guy, man. He's humble. No, he wasn't humble. It's a pretense. So you can even take humility and, and mess it up. And uh, <clears throat> you can. What I'm saying is none of this stuff really has to do with a real relationship with God. That's what I'm saying. When I think of a relationship with God, it, it's about overcoming sin, dealing with the lust of the flesh, treating others with respect, loving your fellow man. In John 13 and verse 35, it says this, Jesus said this, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you say my sacred name right. <laughs> if you look religious. If you get all your doctrines right. No, it says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciple, if you love one another. Love one another. Let me tell you something about getting all your doctrines right. Now, some of you, you might disagree with some of this, what I'm about to say. Matthew 5 and verse 18. 
For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth shall pass away, not one jot or tittle shall no wise pass from the law until all be fulfilled. Verse 19 is interesting. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and teach other men so, he shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. This is what you may disagree with. Standing beside you on the sea of glass, the first resurrection, there's probably going to be some people who never kept Sunday, except never kept the Sabbath. I'm getting ready to mess that one up. Never kept the Sabbath. Okay. Probably going to be some people there who never kept the holy days and were clueless on how to say the name of God. The only name they knew was God and Jesus. Now, because, I mean, to me, Matthew 5 and verse 19, whosoever there shall for break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. I mean, here are people that broke the commandments and taught others to break it. And they're called the least in the kingdom of heaven. They should be called the least because of what they did. They didn't have a full understanding. But how do these people make it into the kingdom? Well, they make it the same way you, you're going to make it, by God's grace. By God's grace. You see, I think these people, few in numbers, I admit, but they are, you ever met just good people? Good people. Who have a submissive heart. When God, you know, when it all occurs, God will probably say, around here, folks, we keep the seventh day Sabbath. I know all of your life you were taught Sunday, you know, worship, whatever. But around here we keep the seventh day Sabbath. And they'll say, yes, Lord. Absolutely. And around here we keep the holy days. I know you were taught it, but, and they'll, yes, Lord. I'll do it. Submissive heart. Now here's the conundrum. If they will listen to God then, <laughs> and we know, okay, who's going to reject? You know, if Jesus is telling you this, it's going to be hard to say. <laughs> oh no, I'm not doing that. Okay. But, if they, but this is what I struggle with in evangelism. If they will listen to God then, then why won't they listen to us now? I, talk about, I tell people what day is the Sabbath. <laughs> I talk about the holy days. Why won't they listen to me? And I think the answer is, often we can love being right. We can love being right. Beating people over the head with truth. I'm convinced that there may be people in God's church. The attraction occurred because they loved to be right. It does feed that, you know. I mean, it is powerful when you can say, well, this is what it says, and you're not doing it. That is powerful. There may be people in God's church, the attraction was fully, I can be right. And I can beat people over the head with what's right. We can love being right more than we love people. James 3 and verse 17. James 3 and verse 17. This is a verse that, <laughs> trying to incorporate this into to my messages, evangelism at least. Well, I should incorporate it all the time, but look at this. But the wisdom that is from above, 
You know, there's wisdom from below, and there's wisdom of the world. There's a lot of wisdom out there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. I think this is the reason why we can fail at getting disciples. <clears throat> and you know, the disciples that we do get can be just as crazy as we are. <laughs> uh, now, let me explain that. Some, someone said that whatever method you use to, to disciple people, to evangelism, is what you'll get in return. So if you're controversial, in your face, you're wrong, that's the kind of people that's going to you're going to attract those people and they're going to be in your congregation. Always wanting to fight. <laughs> Whatever method you use is what you're going to get in return. So, um, we have truth. You think we have truth. Okay, well, yeah, we got truth. But we can lack wisdom in sharing it. And believe me, I'm not judging you. I'm judging myself. <laughs> when we set out to evangelize others, this is how you do it. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, without hypocrisy. So let's, let me go back to this little statement. In order to be saved, you've got to use the Hebrew names of God. I don't understand why you don't use them. Take a look. I want everybody to turn to this because you want to mark this if you ever get questioned about this subject. Revelation 19 and verse 12. Revelation 19 and verse 12. This is an important verse to mark. If you, uh, because you, you'll, you'll, come up, you'll encounter this throughout your calling. His eyes, uh, uh, Revelation 19 and verse 12, His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. You know, the sacred namers, this, this verse basically leaves you in the dark, does it not? No man knew but himself. Jesus said, call God your father. Now, what's really important to religious people? The twigs are not. Stick to the trunk of the tree. And to conclude with, I want to turn to Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 13. Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 13. It says, Let us hear the conclusion of the matter, whole matter that is. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment and every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. You know, in building this sermon, I, I sort of, I thought of a snapshot. I see things in imagery. And so I, I developed this, this shot of this big old oak tree. And at the trunk, yeah, you got, I started using the imagery of God's church. I thought, yeah, you got some people that are clinging to the trunk. But then out there, the fruit, you got all these faces of, of people on the, on, the, on the twigs, you know. <laughs> Maybe rotted fruit, whatever. Uh, nutty fruit, whatever. All the people, uh, uh, you know, just the image. Not that you don't have people that cling to the trunk of the tree. But you do. But my experience, I've, I've been ministering 24 years, longer than that in the church. And I have noticed this. I, I come up against it again and again and again. Of, I asked the question, what, why is that even important to you? 
Why are you going out on that limb? What, how does this make any difference in your life or the life of other people? You know, and, and, and it wouldn't do, I, I should mention this because it's, it's a questionable thing to consider. So what I want to say is the bottom line, and this is what Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 13 is, is telling us. Fear God, keep his commandments. In a nutshell, stick to the trunk of the tree. 